Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hometown Ghost Stories contains serious and often distressing events and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. In 1848, a man from Poughkeepsie, New York, packed up, said goodbye to his wife and kids, and headed out west in search of gold. He, along with the help of a Native American friend, discovered gold 11 years later in East California, but wasn't able to enjoy it. W.S. Bodie met his untimely demise in a town that would be named after him, a town that to this day is said to be cursed by his namesake, Bodie, California. I'm Dave Wilkins, and this is Hometown Ghost Stories, Cursed Possessions, Bodie's Curse. The isolated ghost town of Bodie, California, has been cursed for over a century and a half. And it's not just the town that's cursed. Every item in the town also carries the curse. But where did it originate? The story is quite harrowing. W.S. Bodie set sail for California and its gold in 1848. After rounding Cape Horn, his ship docked in San Francisco in 1849. After years of finding nothing, he decided to head east in hopes to find an unmined area. Along the way, he met a like-minded Native American prospector by the name of Black Taylor. The duo continued to make their way east until they settled on a piece of land north of Mono Lake. Bodie and Taylor scoured the area for years until 1859 when they struck gold. And they struck it big. The men were ecstatic over their long-awaited discovery, but secretly, they were not as excited to share the wealth. Their original plan was to mine gold all summer and then leave before the cold winter struck. Weather in this region would go from extreme heat to extreme cold in the blink of an eye, and wind would whip through the valley at close to 100 miles per hour. Summer turned to fall, and the men, possibly blinded by greed, abandoned their plans to pack up and decided to continue mining. On Halloween of 1859, the two men set out to Monoville to gather their mining supplies. They were completely unaware of the blizzard that was headed their way. They were less than half a day into their journey when the sky turned to a deep blue-gray and the temperature dropped drastically. A strong wind from the north began pelting them with intermittent clusters of snowflakes. That's when the first argument took place. Bodie wanted to turn back, but Taylor wanted to push through. 
The supplies were necessary for the extraction of their fortune from the ground. They agreed to keep moving forward, but it was only a matter of minutes before the rapid clusters of snowflakes turned into whiteout blizzard conditions. The men had no choice but to turn around and start heading back towards their mining camp. The snow was blowing sideways, and they couldn't see more than five inches in front of their faces. Hopeless, they tried burrowing in the snow behind a tree, but the wind was blowing so hard, the attempt to avert it was futile. They had to keep moving. Getting back to camp to find shelter was paramount to their survival. They trudged on. The snow was piling up at an alarming rate, and Bodie found himself having to lift his knees up past his waist to pull free from the grasp of the wet snow. Bodie, who wasn't in particularly great shape, began following behind Taylor. Taylor noticed and made his way back to him. Bodie explained that he couldn't move his legs and wanted to lie down to regain some of his energy. Taylor tried to talk him out of it, even agreeing to carry him for as long as he could. They pushed on for a short time, and again, Bodie collapsed in the snow. This time, Taylor made his way back to him to find him in a catatonic state. Taylor covered his friend in a blanket in attempts to insulate him from the wind and made his way back towards camp, promising him that he'd come back for him. Eventually, Black Taylor made his way back to camp. He stumbled into the cabin and immediately lit a fire to warm himself. He stripped off his frozen clothes and started to prepare to head back out to find Bodhi. But as he was getting suited up, he started thinking about the unlikelihood that Bodhi would even still be alive. He wondered if it would be worth the risk. Eventually, he decided it wasn't. Black Taylor went to sleep in his warm bed, and W.S. Bodie froze to death less than a mile from camp. Word of Taylor and Bodie's massive discovery spread like wildfire and sparked a gold rush to the area. Taylor, the sole beneficiary of the duo's fortune, named the town Bodie in memory of his fallen friend and business partner. But rumors started spreading of Taylor's fortune seeming a little too fortunate with the death of his business partner. Taylor stuck to his story, but the fact that he left Bodie to die so close to camp without going back for him didn't sit well with other members of the community. And if that wasn't enough, members of Taylor's tribe were apparently not too happy with his desecration of their land in search of gold with a white man. Taylor took most of his gold and went into hiding to lay low until some of the public scrutiny died down. He laid low for a short time, but his old tribe found out where he was staying and plotted an ambush. They broke into his house one night, held him down, scalped him, decapitated him, and dismembered his body. Black Taylor was the first victim of Bodhi's curse. Twenty years after Bodie and Taylor struck gold, the town had grown to a population of seven to 10,000 people and over 2,000 buildings. Bodie's mines over the course of the next half century produced gold and silver valued at over $85 million. As the town grew, boasting over 60 saloons, three opium dens, and countless brothels, its reputation grew as well, and not in a good way. Murders, shootouts, ballroom brawls, and stagecoach holdups were regular occurrences. The first signs of official decline occurred in 1912 with the printing of the last Bodie newspaper, the Bodie Miner. Bodie was first described as a ghost town in 1915. By 1920, Bodie's population was recorded by the U.S. federal census at a total of 120 people. In the 1940s, the threat of vandalism faced the ghost town. 
the Kane family, who owned the land, hired caretakers to protect and maintain the town's structures. There was an enormous theft problem as well. Outsiders would come to town and steal things. Anything, just to say they had a piece of the infamous mining town. The solution to the problem the caretakers came up with was to dissuade the outsiders with tales of a curse. They spread the old tale that Bodhi's spirit was angry at being betrayed by his friend, believing that Taylor let him die in order to steal his share of gold, likely cursing him before he died. Anyone who took something from Bodhi would be cursed with misfortune for the rest of their lives. But it wasn't a real curse. Or was it? Caretakers began receiving letters from people who visited the city in the past. Letters of apology, containing items that they had taken. One person sent back a letter opener, saying that ever since he had taken it, bad things would happen to him every single day. From small things, such as him cutting himself on sharp objects, to things as major as car accidents. A pair of young women had taken some stones and made necklaces out of them. They also began experiencing similar negative events. They chalked it up to coincidence until the stones on the necklaces began leaving nasty rashes on their skin. That's when they decided to mail them back. One woman visited on August 5th and had taken a piece of glass. On August 7th, 8th, and 9th, she suffered a sinus infection so severe she had to be hospitalized and injected with Demerol. Five days later, her son dropped a ceramic bowl on her foot, sending her back to the emergency room for stitches. Five days after that, her daughter got stung by a red ant, causing an allergic reaction and a subsequent hospital trip. At that point, she mailed the glass back, and the hospital visits stopped. Another instance was on a larger scale, too large to fit in an envelope and drop into a mailbox. Two brothers wanted to do something nice for their mother, but didn't have a lot of money. She loved to play the piano, but there was no way they could afford to buy her one. The brothers knew there was a piano in Bodie that nobody would miss, so they drove out, loaded the piano into a truck, and took it away. What followed was unprecedented. What was a relatively normal, quiet life had turned upside down with death, divorces, brutal car accidents, and the final straw was one of the brothers had a young daughter who was diagnosed with leukemia. He got on the phone with the caretakers the next day and confessed to stealing the piano. He had the piano shipped back with a note saying, please take this back. Bodhi's curse lives on to this day, and people afflicted by it continue to send the curse possessions back every day. Did W.S. Bodhi curse the land with his dying breath? Did the Native Americans curse the people who stole from their land? Or was it an accidental curse placed by the caretakers in an attempt to stop the thefts? We may never know. hometown ghost stories curse possessions this is the tale of Bodie, the ghost town in california my name is jesse wilkins i am joined by rob coakley hello rob jesse i would never leave you in the snow and dave wilkins hey dave what's up hey, rob it was nice to hear you say something nice in this opening 
Oh, I would leave you in the snow. That's why your name wasn't brought up. I, you know what? I uh, you you would be left. I asked for it. <clears throat> you did. I did. I did. I literally asked for it. I think. I think you did. Yeah. Uh, this is one of the coolest looking ghost towns of all the ghost towns that I've seen. Well, it's there's a reason bad. for that. This is uh, a town that they say is in a state of arrested decay. Is the term they use, and what that means is basically in the I think it was the 1940s. They officially made it a ghost town, but they also turned it into a state park and the state upkeeps it like they basically like keep it as a ghost town, which is really cool. That is cool. Arrested Decay sounds like a uh, a good band name. So when we start the hometown ghost stories band. We're going to call it Arrested Decay. I like that. Yeah, definitely got that old wild, wild west feel to it. The buildings still look uh, as they did because like, it was just frozen in time. Um I'm just scrolling through some of these images of them now. It's very, very cool looking. Looks like, you know, something you'd roll up to in, in Red Dead Redemption. It which does. Which means I like it. Which Everything is- that you described within the town as well, I was like, this is literally a three-hour trip in, like, Valentine and Red Dead Redemption 2. Yeah, like, really. Saloons and stagecoach robberies and all. It had everything, you know. Yeah. It's neat from Arthur Morgan. I will exactly. say, w- with all the money that that town had, and all the saloons that they had, the brothels, all the thousands of structures, sixty-five saloons. Yeah, sixty-five saloons. Not enough opium dens. Only three. I know the Step saloon to opium den ratio is is very lopsided. Mm. It is yes. crazy how many saloons these these mining towns had. We we did. Um, oh my god, what, we did Tombstone. Might have been episode two. Of all of our episodes. And they had over 110, right? 110 saloons in that town. Portsmouth too, but I mean, not much has changed. I mean, obviously they're not all called saloons now, but when you drive down the street, how many bars do you, do you pass? When you go downtown Boston, how many, there's a, there's three, three bars per block. This was a population of 7,000, right? Right. Compared to a population of what? how many million people in, in these cities that we're talking about. Yeah. True, so, Brid- Bridgewater might have 10, like, yeah. and the population's way heavier than that here. So it's, it's just jarring when like you hear it. And yeah, I know there right. wasn't as much population to saloon ratio. Yeah. I, I could see that point. Yeah. But this was also a time where like literally everyone was just there in the mines or they're in the rivers panning for gold. And then they were just in the saloon. Right. That was like everyone. So they had to accommodate literally every single person in the town. Yep. But, uh, like this fun. this was uh like I was reading into this. so this 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 town of Bodie can also double as uh, a hometown ghost story because I left all of it out, but this town is haunted as fuck. There are so many ghost stories and so many of these different locations. So uh don't be surprised if we come back here, you know, maybe in season two of Hometown Ghost Stories uh to Bodie, California. But this uh cursed possession episode reminded me a lot of the last curse possession episode we did, which was uh Koheng Nam there, which you know, yeah, you take something from there and you're cursed. And they mail yeah. it back with the letters. There was a lot of similarity a lot of similarities there, which I thought was pretty interesting. Yeah, but it was almost the same story. You get these people people steal just to steal, and they're stealing stupid stuff like just nails and flowers and just stupid little items. And they're they're like, please take this back. Please put it please back where, back, where yeah. it's from. And oh no, they're, man! They're they're taking pianos too. They're they were piano, grabbing, I know. That's pretty grabbing some heavy duty shit out of this place. If right. they're grabbing pianos, but like letter openers and stuff, that's kind of cool to have. If if you 
if you were able to get your hands on something like that from this place. So Dude, if yeah. I had a yeah, if I had a wild, wild west ghost town down the street, I'd loot the shit out of that. But yeah, so so many cool things to to take. And the fact that it was preserved, you know, by the state and everything means that like they aren't really touching anything. So it's like, dude, yeah, I mean, I'm the, I'm no thief, but that's that seems like that doesn't surprise me whatsoever that people are just grabbing whatever they can get. Sounds, just, yeah, sounds like you might be. Yeah. <laughs> I'm no thief, but I would rob the shit out of it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. <laughs> I strategically live really far from places I want to steal from. So <laughs> now yeah. I'm not a thief. You Nothing know? cool in Massachusetts. <clears throat> no. Not a single thing. Uh, there was one story I left out of this, but there was a woman who ended up nail- mailing a nail back. But it was a nail that she had driven over and her tire picked it up. And she couldn't oh. figure out like why her like her car kept breaking down and was like, what is going on with this brand new car that I have? And and um, you know, just she had, she had like negative experience after negative experience. And she was like, she heard about the curse of Bodhi and she was like, Oh, if you take something, she's like, I didn't take anything from Bodhi. And then she thought back to her first tire flat, which she had was one of her first like car issues. And she pulled, you know, she had the nail, so she pulled it out. And it was like one of those like old-fashioned cut nails that yep. they would make to make, you know, build these old buildings. Mm. And she was like, oh, I bet I drove over this nail from Bodhi. She mailed it back and uh, all the, the bad things stopped happening at that point. So, yeah, they've also gotten a bunch of silly ones. So there, there are skeptics on on this whole curse situation. And it it kind of all seems to lead back to some of the stupid stuff that people send back. Like, they're like, oh, yes, this thing that I took was cursed. Uh, some kids said that his parents grounded him after. And so he believed that he was cursed because he got grounded after. So they've ser- clearly gotten some like prank ones or just some stupid ones or people but are that's bored. Not a, that's, that doesn't debunk anything. That's just people being idiots. You know right. What I mean? right. Um, what I will say, I think the heaviest evidence against this is that the um, the caretakers literally pretty much invented the curse, right? Well, they took what was like, there was like the legend of Bodhi's curse, right? They, like the legend was that he died and he cursed Black Taylor uh, in the land and Black Taylor. And he did that because Black Taylor let him die in order to steal his gold from him. So that's the that's where the original curse came from but the caretakers were like we need to stop people from stealing from us so we're gonna just take this old legend and say it's a real curse and if you steal from bodhi then you're going to be cursed with misfortune to get people to stop stealing so that's where the idea of the curse really came from sure what are the rules of a curse though you know so it's like okay so if um this guy cursed black taylor or if Bodhi cursed him originally, like I, I don't think he did some sort of a ritual while he was dying in the snow. If the caretakers cursed whoever comes to this land to take items from it, what makes their curse less valid? Because they're right. alive? Yeah, that was I, kind I of the know. angle that I spun on it at the end of the episode there. I was like, do they accidentally curse it while trying to make a fake curse? Did they make a real curse? Like, what is it? What do you have to do to make a, a you know a real curse? And um, I go back to this being such a vague curse, right? Where if it's like, if you do X, just vaguely bad things are going to happen to you, right? 
And then yeah. anyone who believes in curses is going to believe that any misfortune that comes their way is because of the curse. Can I yeah. spin this another way? Yeah. So you talked about the Native Americans and how they were mad that um, the other guy, what's his name, Black Black, Black Taylor, Taylor, yeah, was taking stuff. Can I spin it as maybe the natives had already put a curse on the land and it started with Bodhi being the first one to die from the curse because he took something and so he died from it, then Black Taylor died from it, and then as you continue to take things from the from the landscape, whether it be natural or man-made, you are still being cursed? Is that, yeah, that's, does that check? You know, I, yeah, it does. I mentioned the possibility of it being a Native American curse for that reason, but I didn't even consider including Bodhi in that for some reason. Like, yeah, he could have been the first one because he was the first one. That's a great point. He was the right. first one to strike gold there. He yeah. was the first one. I actually like that more than the idea that caretakers curse the land i guess it's yeah i, I did like it has been a ring it has a better ring to it than the the cur- the cursing the cursing that caretakers. holds a lot more weight even more weight than the bodhi cursing it because it was stolen Not, from him you know another another good band name the cursing caretakers well and, and you can't say that that it's from bodhi because no one heard him say it right like you can't right it was you, just a it's just a it's a legend based on what you think he did while he was dying so I think that if it's anything, it's a it's a native curse based on them being pissed that their that their land was being disturbed. Honestly, so that's the way I would I would perceive the curse. Right, and this is all right around the same time that not not only was their land being disturbed and the you know natural resources stolen from it, it was also the land was also being stolen from the Native Americans. Mm-hmm. So it was you know they right. had a lot to be angry about, and they were angry based on what, how they treated uh, Black Taylor there. Yeah, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, that didn't go so well for him. No. So this did take another turn, which was the caretakers had kind of created a accidentally created a problem for themselves. So yes, they created this, maybe they created this curse to ward off people from stealing from it, but because it's a state-owned state park, if you're going to do this when they receive these stolen items back in the mail, because they are officials of the state, they have to file a police report for every single item that they get back. So this really? is a whole lot of paperwork and a whole lot of extra steps that they now have to go through every single time. And now when you we talked briefly about the kids who might be pranking by saying, like, my parents grounded me, maybe they know. Maybe they know that this is a huge pain in the ass for them now. And if I send them back this stupid little pebble that I may know, they may not have even gotten it from there. And that now they mail it back. Like, yeah, have fun with your police report for this fucking pebble, you dickheads. So the curse <laughs> they created was 100% real and that's it. They curse themselves. They curse themselves. <laughs> curse themselves with a lot of extra work. So, and they, they have to. Yeah. And, and it's you're dealing with the mailing system too. So it's like everything is everything is marked. And I guess uh, they say that the one thing that's, that's in common with almost all of these letters is there's no return address, which you would understand as well if you're admitting to a crime. You're not going to stamp your name and address on it. Right. So, I guess if you did take something from Bodie and you were looking to break your curse, uh, do not put your return address on the letter if you don't want to deal with the legal issues because they have to file a police report anyways. Right. Good to know. Mm-hmm. Just hypothetically speaking. Hi, definitely hypothetically. I definitely would not steal anything from this really cool place with really cool stuff that you could steal. Yeah. But it does, it's, it's a good point. I mean, it's, it seems like a, a dumb mistake people might make is that when you're mailing your, your admission of guilt back, you put your return address on it and say, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I, so. I found the piano one like 
really disturbing to the point that like you know the the child getting leukemia and everything in between divorces and everything do we think like the curse is heavier on like objects that are heavier <laughs> heavier or more like meaningful i would say maybe yeah i mean it, it does it Could does be. kind of seem that way you know if you take if you look at like all of them right mm-hmm. like you had like the necklaces from the stones that would leave the nasty rash on the girl's skin that's relatively serious but not crazy or the lady who took the glass who ended up just with the repeat hospital visits yeah. um or the letter opener he kept cutting himself which is i think that there's you know that's interesting there too um but then you you scale it up, you get the piano and you get the gold and look at the fates that those people had, right? A piano is on a much larger scale than a letter opener, a piece of glass or a stone. And what's the even bigger scale than piano? Gold. And you have a guy freezing to death in a blizzard and a guy yeah. being dismembered by Native Americans. So yep. not that it matters who dismembers you, like being dismembered sucks <laughs> regardless. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I mean, the, these when they return these items, like – there, this also creates a problem because you don't know where it, it came from. If you just took a, a like, let's say, an empty glass bottle, this antique bottle or whatever, you're like, please return this. What if they don't return it to the same place? Is it, is that going to fix your curse just because it's in the vicinity? Well, it would so theoretically like, you know, be part of the land again or part of the of the cursed area. Right, but when you're removing something that when, when when you touch anything in a historic place like this that's remained untouched for so long, let's just say the piano, for instance. When you remove that, you're you're removing that. You're changing the history of it, right? You're taking it from this. You're changing the story of this piano. And I think I, I don't know if just bringing it back is gonna is gonna fix it. I think you you might just be screwed. I don't I don't know how these curses work, but I feel like just it, it, obviously the piano is a little bit easier to figure out where the hell it came from. So that was a bad example. But you know, if you're just taking a rock, I don't think it was a bad example because you returned the piano. And now it's out of tune. That's right. As a piano player my whole life, I will tell you that moving a piano will take it out of tune. So, and you can't tune old pianos. They never quite get to where they're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. You can try, but it's not, it's not going to be perfect. This is so, all useful information regarding, right. regarding curses. Yeah. For all we go and don't steal this piano. That's what we have for you is information. I could like say this. that a piano would probably be the last thing I'd steal from anywhere. Wow. Well, you have no imagination then. <laughs> I just have no desire to move a piano. Have you oh, ever no, moved a piano? That yeah, sounds terrible. Yeah, it's pretty awful. Yeah, not a great time. All right, yeah, so well. where where do we stand on the curse, um, Dave? Let's start with you. You're up. So, do you think it's uh, you think it's legitimate? I was. So my original thought on the curse was that it is like I said with the last curse thing is too vague, right? And it's just by just saying misfortune with with you know, not to be redundant, just saying that unfortunate things are going to happen to you. You know, you're going to get half the people that say that just attribute everything to the curse. And now the half people say it's all coincidence. That was my thought until Rob brought up the Native American uh, theory of like, when you take something from their land, that that's the curse. That's compelling. I think like, if that's the angle, I think that that definitely holds some weight. It was a great point. Yeah. That, that was, that was kind of the twist. Uh, I'm leaning Heavily on the side of probably not with this curse, but I will say that what Rob said was very interesting and it's a cool story, very cool place. I would like to visit that and definitely not steal anything. But 
I am very, very interested to hear about what kind of ghost stories came out of this. So I think we do return to Bodhi, and I would like to uh, see if we got enough to put an episode together on it. It's uh, pretty close to Nevada. Do like, we could even do like a Vegas trip slash Bodhi trip. That would be pretty fun. But mm-hmm. Rob, what are your thoughts on this one? Uh, well, I also think that Rob is the smartest person on the show, and that nobody point, said that. Nobody said that. that. I, I, was, just, I just don't remember having that conversation. And my point was quite compelling. So I'm going to go with that one. I'm going to say that I think we can go back and change our. I, I think your point sucked, and it just. I it, think it, it I definitely think if isn't true. Any of it is a curse. It would be that would be the way the curse is. And what I the other part I do find compelling is the scaling. So based on what you steal, it almost seems like it scales. So I kind of find that intriguing. So I I kind of want to believe it. So I'm going to for now. That was another good point too, actually. You had two pretty good, really good points in this one. And I want to congratulate you on your the first two good points you've ever made in your life. Yeah. So, so you, credit so where you, credit you, you try to make fun of me and I curse your audio. So that's yeah, what started, happens. Started chopping up. But that it that will be the first and last time we ever pay you a compliment on the show, Rob. Good. But uh with that being said, with Dave's audio cutting out, I believe that we should uh, wrap it up there. But that is Cursed Possessions, the town, the ghost town of Bodie, California. Uh, do not steal from this place because if you do, some serious misfortune could happen to you with a wide range of things that could. Is it real? Is it not? Let us know what you think in the comments below. Tell us what you think about this cursed possession. And um, How about this? If you've ever been cursed or believe that you've been cursed, Either comment below or send us an email letting us know why you think you were cursed or how you were cursed. Because I would find that interesting as well. Also, if you've ever left a negative comment or review on any of our things, um, you are cursed. And you can write us a letter and you can take back what you said as long as you update your comment or review. So for your own good, I would... If you don't want to be cursed anymore, you have to subscribe to Patreon. And it has to be at the twenty dollars tier for six months, and then we will remove the curse. Mm-hmm. These You're are in a probation period until then, though. You all yeah. remember the time I cursed Rob's chair? You don't want any of that. Nope. Yeah. Don't want that. Don't want that. With that being said, we'll be back on Tuesday with a brand new episode of Hometown Ghost Stories. Real quick, let's give a shout out to our patrons. We have our brand new VIPs, Bro Dad and Ma. Appreciate you guys. You're the best. You know, Not cursed. The best. Definitely not cursed. You are safe. Uh, Other people that are safe are our other VIPs, Justin T and Jimmy H, as well as Stephen V and Lisa J. Those are our VIPs. The list is growing. So thank you guys so much. As for the rest of the patrons, we have Carly J, Justin T. uh, We have Rachel B, Anthony, Angry Dave Rocks, T, Matthew T, Cody G, Sydney B, Mark M, Papa Squatch. Mike B, Brandon W, Sarah W, Soph M, Hooper, Jake V, Stephanie A, Kathy McSlugs, Sarah R, and an honorable mention for Seth, Dave Sucks, W. We appreciate you guys for signing up on Patreon. This list is growing, and it's actually growing so long that it's kind of getting redundant reading it out. But we will continue to do so because we promised. And um, yes, so thank you guys so much. If you want to be in on the credits and on some free perks and early access to other side content, Consider signing up on Patreon. The link is below. And, and not cursed. Uh, and you will be safe from You'll the curse. curse free. It's perfect. And yes. we have a cult, so you don't even want to know yeah. about the dangers of that. <laughs> so. We're full of threats here at Hometown Ghost Stories. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll catch you next time. Appreciate you.